We have a very, very special story to tell today. Some would call it the greatest story ever told. If you and I had lived 2,000 years ago, we would have been able to travel to Bethlehem to see the Lord Jesus Christ. What an incredible opportunity that would have been to be able to see God the Son come in the flesh to be here with us on this earth to accomplish a very, very special and actually the most important task that we could imagine. If you wanted to go to see Jesus today, where would you go? Please feel free to answer. Where would you go? No one knows? How about heaven? Yeah, we, we would have to go to heaven to see Jesus today. And that is a possibility. In fact, that is a hope for many of us that we will be going to heaven. And we have to ask ourselves the question, how did Jesus get there? And the answer is that he ascended to heaven and the Bible tells us exactly how all of that happened in the book of Acts. Acts was written by fellow by the name of Luke. And he tells us that going, leading up to the ascension of, heaven, uh, of Christ into heaven, we're given the account and the story of how he went there. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, after Jesus had spoken to his disciples, it says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And so the Lord Jesus ascended, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, waiting for his children to join him there. Well, this ascension came about because of something that happened prior to that. The Lord Jesus had been laid in a tomb, and he had been dead for a period of three days. And there were those who opposed Jesus and did not believe in him, and they wanted to be sure that his body could not be stolen. And so they asked that the Romans would put some guards in front of the tomb. And a large stone had been rolled in front, and two guards, two Roman guards, rough, tough, strong guys, were placed there in front of the tomb to be sure that nobody would let Jesus out of the tomb. And Matthew tells us about this. He says, Now after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to, the, to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, 
And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Well, these women, as they told the disciples, learned that the disciples themselves were very excited about the resurrection of Jesus and were told that John and Peter ran to the tomb and Jesus appeared not only to them, but he appeared to the other disciples as well for a period of 40 days and then he ascended to heaven. Well, his resurrection from the tomb was something that occurred because something very, very important had taken place just three days before. You see, the crowd, the people, had turned against Jesus, and they wanted him crucified. They wanted him put to death. And so the Bible tells us about this event, how the people had rejected Jesus, and they cried out for his crucifixion. And the Bible tells us in the book of Mark, it says, when they had mocked him, the soldiers now mocking him, when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they brought him to the place, Golgotha, which is translated, place of a skull. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. That cry that he gave was to Telestai. He said, paid in full. And what Jesus meant was this. His crucifixion had taken place and the darkness had come over the face of the earth for those three hours. Because during that period of time, your sin, my sin, the sin of every one of us here was placed upon him. And he took the punishment that our sin deserves. And he died so that we might live. And so the crucifixion occurred simply because Jesus came to die for the sins of his people. And he gave up his life so that we might have life. Now, this should ask, cause us to ask some important questions. Why in the world would they crucify Jesus? He had no sin of his own. Everything that he did was good. As a matter of fact, the Bible gives us the record of the things that he did throughout his life. And many of the things he did were miraculous. We read about those miraculous stories in the scriptures where he did some incredible things, including the raising of the dead. But one that I'd like to read to you today involves his healing a blind man and causing him to be able to see again. It says now in John chapter 9, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, 
but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, No, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. That wasn't the only miracle that Christ had performed, obviously. There was another occasion in which he healed a man whose hand had been withered, and the Bible gives us that account in Mark chapter 3. It says, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand, so that they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to him, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent, and when he had looked around at them with anger, he, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, when we hear these accounts of the miracles that Jesus performed and we look at the life that he lived, it makes us wonder, why did he have to be crucified? Well, the Bible tells us that he had come to save his people from their sins. And throughout his entire life, he lived in such a way that he was fulfilling the will of the Father in not only the way he lived, but ultimately in the way he would die. When he was the age of some of you in the auditorium, when he was 12 years old, the Bible tells us that he was so wise that he was at the temple asking questions of the scribes and of the leaders of the people. And then he would give answers to those questions that astounded the people. And we're given the record of that in Luke, the second chapter, it says, his parents, now what had happened was he had gone there with his parents to the temple to offer the sacrifices. But his parents had left because the families would generally travel together and they thought he was with the the group that left. He was not with them and so they immediately, after they've learned that he was not there, returned to the city of Jerusalem looking for him. They looked for him for three days. And then the Bible tells us, It says, Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? 
but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That now brings us to the place that we celebrate today. It brings us to the city of Bethlehem. It brings us to that moment in time when the eternal plan of God that he had established before the creation of the world would come to fulfillment in the arrival of God the Son in human flesh. And his birth took place in the city of David, Bethlehem. And the writer Luke gives us a full account of what happened. He said, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. When we talk about the greatest story that's ever been told, we can't stop at the manger in Bethlehem. But we follow the life of that very special arrival, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived his life into subjection to his parents, He grew in favor with God and with men. And he submitted himself to their authority until that day 
when he declared himself publicly to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. He did nothing for which to die. All he did was good. All the miracles he performed were wonderful, marvelous miracles that demonstrated the great love and care that he had for people. But the crowds rejected him because he was a man of righteousness. And we're not. We are all guilty of sin. And the Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God, our Creator, for all eternity unless the sin is paid for by a substitute. And that substitute was the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ came to this earth, He came for a special purpose. He came to die. And the Bible tells us that when He went to the cross, the sins of the world were placed upon Him And in our place, he took the condemnation that we deserve. It doesn't just automatically apply to us unless we respond and we believe. That's why the Bible says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What's the gift of God? Jesus Christ, indeed, was the gift. The faith to believe in him is the gift. The eternal life that God gives freely is the gift. And so, friends, if you are here today and you've enjoyed this service, you've enjoyed what the children have presented, it's a day of special events for the kids, but it is a day that has an incredible message that is the most important message that anyone could possibly deliver. The greatest story ever told. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And if you will believe what God did in the person of Christ, And you will believe what God said he did. And you'll open your heart and trust Christ as your Savior. The promise that God gives is eternal life. I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Friends, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. But more importantly than that, I want to wish you, the gift of eternal life if you will receive Christ as your Savior. If you've never done that, please do that now. Open your heart. Turn from your sin. Accept Christ and be saved. Would you stand with me, please? I would offer this invitation to anyone in our congregation, if there are questions you have about the coming of Jesus, or if you have any questions concerning how to receive the gift of eternal life, I would be delighted to speak with you. Pastor Steve would be delighted to speak with you. Pastor Luke, we would love to show you how you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your sins have been forgiven and that you have eternal life as a free gift from God. 
thank you so much for being here. I, I would like to, to uh, express a special word of gratitude to uh, Julie Method, who really brought the children together, and to those who led in the kids' praise, and I express my appreciation to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Most of all, thank you for the Lord Jesus that you sent to us over 2,000 years ago to be our Savior. Thank you for your love. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas.